Welcome to The Pet Perspective. I'm joined this episode by Sophie White, who is a veterinary behaviourist, and she is going to be helping us out with the difficult topic of travelling and holidaying with our pets. Thank you for joining me today, Sophie. That's no problem at all. It's very nice to be invited. And it's a bit of a topical episode today, especially with all the heat waves that have been happening over the last couple of months and lots of families going away. So there was a study last year that reported 69% of people would rather take their pet on holiday than their other half. It's a bit of a funny statistic. I guess sometimes probably because it's quite stressful leaving your pet at home when you go on holiday or finding someone to look after your pet. What do you think about taking your pet on holiday with you on a trip? Is it a good thing? Can it be fun? Is it usually more stress than it's worth? I think it's such a big area, isn't it? And it's something I discuss with my clients a lot. So obviously most of the animals that I'm working with, and I work with about probably 99% dogs, have some behavioral difficulties. I think that's why they come to me. And <laughs> lots of clients really worry about whether they can go on holiday. Can they leave them with someone? Do they take them with? What do they do? So it's something we talk about a lot. And I think that the, the norm probably should be that we don't take them, certainly not outside of the UK. But that's not to say it's never suitable. But there are just so many factors. As you say, you know, is it worth it? If you're going on holiday for two weeks, your dog's probably going to be fine. You know, hanging out with someone, you know, if they're they're friendly and they don't have any particular behavior issues, they'd probably much rather go and, you know, stay at grandma and granddad's, get lots of treats and hang out for two weeks, then do a big, long journey, be somewhere new, etc. But I think obviously there are cases where actually the dogs might have a wonderful time. Really depends what your holiday is like. I think, you know, for example, if you're kind of experienced hikers and you do loads of trips with your dog, you know, you you do lots of climbing, lots of walking with them, and you're going to be doing exactly that, but maybe just in France, and they're, they're good at traveling, then actually, why not? You know, it's not really any different from doing a big long drive in the UK. You're just going to pop on the, you know, the Eurostar, what have you. I bought my pup back from South Korea and that journey was a a bit of a challenging one. But as you say, if you're going to Europe to a, a, a country that's closer, it can be not such a big deal. Can we talk a little bit more about traveling abroad with your pets, say to France or a country that's closer? Is it possible? Is it a good idea? Or should we really be leaving our dogs at home? Again, I think what, we, what people often don't think about is sort of the whole process from the animal's point of view. You need to go abroad. You do need to have seen your vet recently. They might need injections. They're going to need to go. So again, if, if even the first step is really stressful for your pet, you know, if they hate going to the vets and actually that's going to be a big palaver, you know, that's the first stressor. Obviously, you've got to go in the car, which again, how do they cope with that? We then really need to think about how we travel. So the vast majority of ferries, you can't stay with your pets in the car. You have to go up to the kind of passenger deck and the pets have to stay in the car. Now, we really have to think about temperature because some dogs will not cope in summer in a car with the windows open with a no air con because you can't leave your engine on. So unless you're lucky enough to sort of have a Tesla that's got, you know, it has environmental control even when the engine's off, we really need to think about that because that's a big problem. But sometimes you go on ferries where you can take the dogs up on deck. Again, is that going to be stressful? We're on a boat, which might be quite weird. 
there's people, there's dogs, you know, there's lots going on, the slippy floors. So I think, you know, the journey is a big stressor. They may well get checked by border control. So again, how are they, you know, being examined or interacting closely with people they don't know? And I think, you know, when we get there, what are we doing? Are we going to be doing things the dog actually enjoys doing? Or are we taking them because we feel bad leaving them behind and we want to take them? I definitely get the, uh, the, the the owner guilt if I leave my dog for too long, for more than a week with somebody else. And speaking of ferries, when I, when I brought him back from South Korea, we lived there. He's from South Korea. And we had to get a, a ferry from uh, Hook of Holland to, to the UK. And they put him, you had to put him in a kennel and leave him there. And I had to go up to my, to my little cabin. But one of the channels on the TV was a, um, was a video, was CCTV of the kennels. So I had this <laughs> a vision of being able to have a nice relax on the ferry and have, and catch up on my sleep. But I ended up just manically, obsessively watching this watching. CCTV <laughs> of my, of poor soot yeah. in the kennel. And I think that's the thing as well, isn't it? Like that journey was quite stressful, but that was a one-way journey to sort of, you know, then a prolonged period here and my sister's relocating soon and she's taking her dogs with her, but like they would never take them on holiday abroad. So I think, again, you should say, thinking about why are we going? I think emigration and things is a kind of a, a more complex issue because you've got to think about, you know, there's so much more benefit afterwards. But when we've got those short there and return journeys, obviously that journey time is taking up a big chunk of your trip for your pets. If I am planning to take my dog abroad, whether it be for a longer holiday or to relocate, what kind of things do I need to check in terms of vaccinations or or health checks? It's really variable. What you need to think about is it's actually got nothing to do with the UK's guidelines. It's all about the country you're going into. You also want to consider whether you are going through other countries and whether you're going to be stopping there, in which case, or driving through, in which case you need to follow their guidelines as well. So I would always advise initially you go on the government website, there is steps about traveling with your pet and it, you know, in reference to which countries and which destinations, and then have a chat with your vet. If you're relocating, say, or going away for a longer period of time, there's also commercial companies who specialize in transporting animals and they can be a fantastic source of information because this is what they do all the time and they make sure your paperwork's okay. You know, for example, um, I haven't done any exports for probably a couple of years now, but last time I was doing exports, it took a minimum of five months to be able to get a dog to Australia because you had to have an injection. You had to allow a certain amount of time to lapse, et cetera. And the quickest you could do it was five months. Whereas some of the countries like, you know, Dubai, actually there's very little you need to do. It's very, very easy. It's just the transport. There's not a huge amount of preamble, vaccination, certification, et cetera. So it's really variable and it's really important you get it right because otherwise your dogs or cats could end up being impounded at certain areas if your statuses aren't correct and your paperwork's not correct. That's a really good point, actually. When I was preparing to come to move back to the UK, I think I started planning about eight months in advance and I was more stressed out about getting that right than I was anything else about myself or my luggage. It was, I've got to get this right because I don't want to get the week to the week of me leaving and I'm suddenly not able to bring my dog with me. So definitely prep in advance is a big one. Yeah. So we're going to talk now about a few kind of behavioral concerns that pet owners might have if they're planning to to travel with their pet. What if I have a cat, for example, or a dog that is scared of traveling, that's scared of getting in the car, but we do have a, a long journey to make? What kinds of things can I do? 
it's really common that owners will ask for sedation, but you can't sedate an animal without a vet present because it's not safe. There may be medications that could help. So we might have medications from your vets that would give a very light sedation or a little bit of anxiolysis, so reduction in anxiety, and your vets may be able to advise on things like that. We've also got obviously our nutraceuticals uh, and pheromones, so people might like using some of the kind of herbal products. They're very variable. They do seem to work for some. So I think it's often a case of kind of trial and error when you're doing like shorter journeys and things. Just try and work out if any of those work for you. Another really important thing I think is thinking about nausea. You know, some of our animals get genuinely travel sick. And again, if that's the case, if they are licking their lips, drooling, vomiting, etc., before they seem to get very, very stressed, because of course, if they're very stressed, they might make themselves sick. But if it seems to be a genuine, I get in the car, I start moving, oh, I feel really sick. Then again, there are medications we can give for that, which might make them feel better and hopefully over time reduce their fear of going in the car because they're not feeling sick every time. But like we mentioned, you know, we're going to different countries and your paperwork, et cetera. It's really about planning in advance because you, you can't suddenly make them like the car. You know, there's, there's no way of just having a shortcut to that. We can try and make it as easy as possible, say like with medications, maybe pheromone sprays in the car that make them feel a bit nicer, making sure they've got somewhere comfy. Some animals prefer not to be able to see, so they might like to go in a crate that's covered. You know, we can do all those sort of bits, but it's not going to suddenly make them like it. So I think it's really important to plan in advance. And we want to really break everything down into really little steps. So to let for your cats, the first step is actually will they go in a carrier? If they can't go in the carrier, they're never going to be relaxed in the car. So we need to make sure we kind of do it in a step-by-step process. And again, thinking about it's being in that space, but it's also sort of the doors closing, the engine starting, the movement. There's lots of different aspects. So we want to try and work on all of those gradually and kind of build them up. But that's obviously quite a long process. So we always need to be planning ahead. So you can't get to the week of your long trip then and think, okay, now I'm going to start preparing my dog who's not very good at being in the car for this trip. You've got to really start thinking way in advance about how you can get them used to the car and get them to like it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just like ourselves. If you're scared of flying, you're not going to be able to change that fear of flying in in sort of a few days. You might be able to rationalize it slightly more for yourselves or you might be able to kind of force yourself on that plane because you know you're going somewhere nice but of course our pets don't have any concept of what you know why we're doing this and you're certainly not going to be able to change that sort of innate fear of flying just by you know doing some exercises for kind of a week it's going to take a lot longer than that I remember when my dog was younger and he was a little bit reactive on the lead reactive so I just did quotes. I know you can't see that on a on a um <laughs> on a podcast. For whatever reason, he was misbehaved a little bit on the lead and he didn't necessarily walk very well. And it took a long time for us to for it to get better. But early on, it kind of put me off going to new places with him because I thought, oh, I'm just gonna actually be stressed out. I'm not really gonna have as nice a time as I could because I'm gonna be worried about whether my dog is behaving or whether he's what he's doing on the lead. So what advice would you give to someone who wants to take their dog to new places, but is finding it a little bit stressful? What kind of little things can they do to gradually make it a less stressful experience for both them and their dog? So I think when we're talking about just new places generally, 
then a few tips, I guess, would be things like doing a recce. So go at sort of the same time, same day, et cetera, first, check it out, find out where your kind of little escape routes are. You know, if you're having a bad walk, how do you get back to the car nice and quickly? Where can you, you know, hide if you see like a big group of dogs coming running? Just so you sort of know the area. So you're not sort of panicking about like, oh my God, if there's someone in front of me and behind me, where am I going to go? And get an idea of sort of traffic flow. You know, if there's loads of people or loads of dogs or loads of cars and, and your, your dog finds those things hard, that's obviously not going to be a good time to go. I think also when you do go, sometimes having like a spotter. So having someone with you who walks ahead, kind of checks just around the corner, you know, has a little look what's going on. They can give you a bit of a heads up that actually there's something coming. It's much easier than, as you say, you seeing it at the same time as your dog. When we think about holidaying, I actually spend quite a lot of time convincing quite a lot of my clients not to take their dogs on holiday with them because they often have put a huge amount of kind of time and energy and emotional kind of input into their dogs. And having a dog that has challenging behavior is really hard. And they've done an amazing job and put a huge amount into it, but they need a break as well. And if their dog comes with, that's probably not going to be the ideal situation for their dog. And actually, it's probably going to impact on the owner's enjoyment of that holiday, because they're going to be stressing, avoiding things they maybe wanted to do because their dog won't like it. And I sort of think if you're going on holiday, you want to make the most of it, particularly to say if you make quite a lot of sacrifices and kind of compromises in your life for your pets anyway, which of course we do because we love them. But you do need some kind of time to rest and recuperate yourselves. So I say a lot of my clients, I encourage them just to find someone they're happy with and they're confident with, let their dog stay at home so they can go rest, you know, recharge their batteries and kind of come back to their training and things a bit more invigorated. That's such a really, really interesting point and not something I'd ever really thought about. We always think, oh, the responsible thing to do is to take our pets to as many places with us as possible. But actually, if if we come back a, a more relaxed and patient owner, it might actually be the best for both to leave them at home. That's a really good point. That's actually a perfect segue also into what I wanted to talk about next. And that's if we do decide, actually, the best thing is to leave my cat, to leave my dog with somebody either at their house or at my house. Let's talk about cats first, because we've neglected them a little bit, or I've neglected them a bit. People sometimes tend to leave their cat on its own for longer periods than they do their dog. They might, you know, go away for a couple of days and just have someone pop in once to check on their cat, or or maybe even less than that. What's your opinion? What do you think? Is there an amount of time that it is safe to leave cats by themselves? I think, you know, from a sort of a, a welfare and sort of legality point of view and sort of the responsibility point of view, I mean, all animals have to be checked at least every 24 hours. So, you know, we shouldn't be leaving them more than 24 hours without someone seeing them. And I think that's also a really good point because sometimes when we look after other people's cats and things, they might, we might not see them. You know, they might disappear off and hide or they might be out when we get there. But actually, then we're not really checking on them. We're just putting some food down. So I think they do really need to be kind of seen at least once a day. Make sure, you know, they're not injured. There's no, you know, signs of anything obviously being wrong. Make sure they're actually eating their food, etc. They're not missing, they're not stuck in the shed, anything like that. We need to have actually really seen them and laid eyes on them, I think, at least every day. In terms of the company side of things, I think that's far more variable than it is with dogs. You know, um, dogs' relationship with humans tends to be far more kind of predictable. Dogs 
the vast majority of dogs like human contact and like that social aspect. Cats tend to be far more variable. And certainly for quite a lot of cats, they really like their owners, but they might not be bothered by strangers. So I think, again, that really does depend on the cat. Some cats would rather you just put their food down and left them alone. And actually, they'd probably be quite happy being able to stay out late and do what they want and, you know, have a bit of peace and quiet at home. They probably quite enjoy that kind of holiday. Whereas some of them yeah, might get really lonely. You know, if they're used to having, you know, evenings cuddled up with their owners and playing games and things like that, then that's a big change for that to suddenly disappear if the cat would actually quite like that with another person. And what do you think about a cattery or a cat hotel? Do you think cats in general would would enjoy that or best to stay clear? Again, I think it really does depend on the kind of setup of that property and that cat. Most cats really probably would prefer to stay in their own home because there's not all those big changes. Whereas I guess for some, if they really like more human contact, then they're probably going to see people more at a cattery. And actually, they might have you know more one-on-one time, which might work for them. If we've got cats who really don't like other cats, which is very common, you know, lots of cats aren't into other cats at all. We've got to think about that layout of that cattery. And what we don't want, which is really common, is them being able to see. They usually can't have direct contact because of disease transmission, but they can certainly see, hear, smell all the other cats around them. That's really stressful for cats that don't like other cats. So sometimes more of the sort of cat hotel style setups are a bit more appropriate because they might have sort of their own room or areas that are very private and sort of really individual units, which probably works much better for a lot of cats. And how about dogs then? And this again is something I think most dog owners do struggle with quite a lot is finding the right care when when you go away. If you don't have family to look after them, I struggle with it, live by myself in London. It is hard to find people who I trust to look after soot when I go away. What advice would you give to someone who's looking for pet care for their dog when they're away on holiday? What kind of things should they look out for? Are there any red flags, anything they can do to make it an easier experience? Again, you know, coming back to that planning ahead, because I think Obviously, it's better for your dog if you if they've had time acclimatizing to a new person or a new place. But also, it's reassuring for you. You have a bit more confidence that actually maybe they've done a couple of overnight stays or maybe they've done a weekend. They were fine. They're probably going to be fine for a week. So I think I would always plan ahead. Also, particularly with the increasing number of dogs, everything is super, super busy and booked up. So we don't want to get stuck last minute not having anything arranged. Again, I think coming down to thinking about your dog as an individual, it's not about what we think would be nice. So we might think, oh, being in someone's house would be lovely. But not if you actually you know, don't like other dogs and they've got dogs there. If maybe they've got kids and you're not used to kids or you just like your own space, you know, you maybe don't like too much contact with strangers. Then actually a lot of those dogs, maybe say who are a bit more, a little bit more aloof with people they don't know, or maybe show like some resource guarding behaviors. For a lot of them, kennels is a much kind of better setup because they have their space. They can do one-on-one time with people, but they don't have to sort of share living areas. So the potential for sort of conflict around resources and stuff is much lower. So some of them really prefer that. And so there is huge variability in the services available. I think what's important is kind of find, finding out what the kennels wants to know from you. If they don't ask any questions, they don't want to know anything. I just sort of think, well, that's never good. 
You know, they should be wanting to know, you know, what's your dog like with strangers? Any issues? How are they like with dogs? You know, are they happy for you to mix them with dogs or not? All those kind of things. And I think you should be able to have the choice, as you say. Some people might mix their dogs with other dogs themselves, but they maybe wouldn't be confident it happening when they're not there, etc. So I think we really should be able to choose those things. That's always, I think, a, a good start. And I think, yeah, just making sure I say they're kind of diligent in terms of their details about, you know, medications, food, all those kind of things. That's always a good start if you feel like they're trying to make kind of a, a personalized approach for your dog. Mm-hmm. So do you see your clients really struggling with what to do with their pet when they go away? Yeah, definitely. And as I say, I work with predominant dogs and a lot of human directed aggression cases. So lots of them really, really struggle with kind of any of the options. One of my clients who has an ex-meat trade dog nearly had to postpone their wedding because they just simply couldn't have him near anyone. He couldn't cope in any of those scenarios. Thankfully, we managed to find him a kennel set up where he had access outdoors and sort of plenty of space. They did a few weekends and kind of built him up, but he didn't need to be handled. And actually, he then started to feel more and more comfortable with the kennel staff, spending time with him, sitting with him. It was just kind of all on his terms. So he didn't, you know, he didn't have to be rushed because of the setup that was right for him. So it is really about finding a solution in advance that works for your dog. And I guess when there's a will, there's a way, as they say. Yeah. And I think you say it really comes down to understanding what your problem is. You know, what what is the issue that's making it hard? It might just be that you don't feel comfortable, in which case, as you say, I think doing those little trial trips, most good kennels will let you go and have a look around. You know, you might have to book it, but most kennels will let you come and look around. So you can kind of assure yourselves that actually it'll be fine. And the vast majority of dogs are okay as long as they're put in a nice environment. And you just say they're sort of prepared for it. Most of them cope better than we expect. It's unusual, I think, for things to go worse than we'd expect when we when we leave our pets in kennels. And what do you do for your, I don't know how many dogs or cats that you have. When you go away, what's your go-to solution for pet care? Um, I've got two dogs, one of whom is really quite elderly, so he doesn't walk that far. And the other one who doesn't really like (laughs) much. Um, He he loves (laughs) us, but he doesn't really like new people, dogs. Mm -hmm. He certainly wouldn't want to go on holiday unless we were literally in the middle of nowhere. So they, my old dog used to go to my parents. And then when we got our second dog, sort of about nearly seven years ago now, they go to kennels. My second dog, so the younger one, the, the one that's a bit more trouble, he does have a bite history and he does need quite careful management. So we're always really honest with kennels and we're lucky that we've only ever had to use two kennels. Where we live now, we have a great one locally. It's a bit like centre parks. They have like a room and a sofa and a TV and an ensuite garden, which works perfectly. So he doesn't have to be handled. And that's what we really wanted for him was that actually he doesn't want to be touched by people he doesn't know. He really doesn't like it. And they don't need to, you know, they manage that really well. And actually, he really quite enjoys going. And it is always hard deciding what to do. And we always feel terrible leaving them. But it's nice, you know, they have really quite a significant impact on our lifestyle. And we don't go away for long. We normally we go for like five to seven days usually. But being able to have a lion, go where you want, you say not worry about if there's dogs and people there, etc., It's just really nice to say to have that break. And actually, the dogs have a nice time. They've, you know, always got on well there. And so it's avoiding their main triggers. There's not lots of other dogs around. They can hang out with people, but they don't need to be handled, you know, to get out of their kennel, etc. 
that's really interesting to to hear you talk about um, how important it is to find the solution that's right for your pet and there's no one size fits all. Yeah. One pet might like to be in your house with a stranger. For another pet, that might be an absolute nightmare. So it really is about finding the right solution. And if that's kennels for your pet, then that's absolutely fine. Yeah, that's exactly the thing is finding out that individual um, you know, approach. And I think the better you understand your pet, the better you're going to be able to suit that say some of our dogs might be very territorial and they might not like people in the house, but they might go to someone else's house and be really happy. So I think, you know, the better you understand any any challenges your pet has around accessing, you know, care and holiday solutions, the more you're going to be able to tailor it to them. And then that's always hopefully going to work best for everyone. That's a fantastic note to end on, I think. Thank you so much, Sophie, for all of your advice. And I hope everyone can have a stress-free holiday with or without their pet. This has been The Pet Perspective by Napo Pet Insurance. You can find more things that your pet would want you to know at napo.pet.